If you have a connection to languages, this is the podcast for you. Whether you're a language learner, a language teacher, a language researcher, or anyone who's interested in languages. I'm Dr. Marie-Josée Bisson, and with my colleague, Dr. Caitlin Zavaleta, we are the language scientists, and this is our podcast. We are senior lecturers in psychology at the Montford University, and we conduct research into the area of language learning. Throughout this series, we hope to translate the science behind language learning into informative and useful practical advice. So sit back and enjoy. Today we are joined by Dr. Alex Mangold from Aberystwyth University, who will talk to us about creative assessment. Welcome, Alex. Hi there. So Alex um, did his undergraduate degree in literature and linguistics at Augsburg University. He then did a PhD in theatre studies at Aberystwyth University and also a master's degree in psychology. He is now a lecturer in modern languages. So Alex, before we talk about your creative assessment project, I always ask our uh, uh, interviewees if they can tell us a little bit about their language background. Um, yeah, I've got a, quite a varied language background. Thanks for the question. Because um, um, I, I went to school in Germany, um, so grew up there, um, then um, studied English and um, French at university. Um, then moved back to the UK, um, did a PhD, obviously, in, in, in English, obviously, and then um, um, sort of learned some Welsh. So there's several languages going on. I also have two kids and we're kind of a bilingual household with a bit of Welsh mixed in. So you can imagine it's uh, it's it's. Um, it's interesting sometimes with a, with you know all three languages coming up in in one sentence you know because if you talk about things and you know something happened in english for example you will automatically switch and you know the kids will tell you something that happened at school and they will use welsh words in english sentences and you know uh, one of them is two years old and you get funny bits sometimes where you just have to take a moment and think about okay um this is this is welsh this is yeah now i know what you say <laughs> So sometimes it actually takes a little sound, bit, yeah. So that sounds really interesting, there. in fact, and it's it's great to to hear about all your your different languages. The reason I invited Alex on the podcast is that I met him recently, uh, because Alex also has a British Academy Talent Development Award, um, just like Caitlin and I received for our podcast project. But your topic addresses the problem of the kind of the decline in uptake of languages in higher education a different way. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's it's an interesting project because it doesn't just, I mean, as you said, look at um, the sustainability of modern languages in the higher education context. But what we're looking at is um, we're looking, broadly speaking, at uh, doing things differently when it comes to assessment, when it comes to artistic research in modern languages. And a lot of this goes back to um, um, a conference that a colleague of mine, um, Sarah Pogoda from, from Bangor University, and I, we organized a, co uh, a conference on artistic research a couple of years ago. And um, what we found was that um, despite the fact that we had set it up as artistic research primarily, um, the most interesting bits were the types of assessment and creative work that uh, people presented that uh, they, they had brought to the conference that were students' work. And uh, what we found then was, you know, this is really interesting. A lot of people out there are doing quite interesting things when it comes to assessment. Um, so it's not just the artistic research that underpins their own research, say, looking into performances, podcasts, films, etc. themselves. But uh, what we found really interesting was that a lot of students are doing really creative work in response to the content that they present at university. 
Um, so we thought, okay, let's come up with a project that would maybe look into this. And then um, we came up with the current project, the Creative Modern Languages project, where we look at artistic research, uh, but primarily at creative assessment. And um, we're looking into um, examples that we collect um, all across the UK and beyond. And we'll then hopefully turn all of these examples into a very interesting, inspirational hub online where people can go and see what's on offer or what people do at different institutions and how this might then inspire other um, um, students to A, pick up a foreign language and B, maybe study it to a degree level because this will be the kinds of assessment that they That's might fantastic. be doing. I mean, what's it like to do a degree in modern foreign languages these days anyways? Like what, what kind of vibe do you get from the students? Do you get a vibe that something needs to change or...? Um, it's interesting. You get a lot of students um, who either have a background in modern languages or a particular interest culturally. And that's usually the main motivators for students to actually pick up a language and then study it at degree level. Um, but you get a lot of students who are not really that much interested in, in just learning the language or just looking at the culture. But sort of nowadays, they also realize that there's an employability mm -hmm. aspect that comes from speaking a foreign language. And so they're looking at a, a certain career, for example. Now, interestingly enough, you will know this throughout the past couple of years, you know, there's been a steady decline in secondary school education when it comes to modern foreign languages. And, and you, you've got fewer and fewer departments in, in the UK actually offering uh, modern languages as part of a degree. So I think at the moment we stand at 39 departments and a couple of years back it was 56 or something. So we've lost quite a few departments. And, and one of the reasons I think is, or we think, and this is also part of the reason for this project, one of the reasons is that it's maybe not presented as something that, that students, especially at secondary level, mm -hmm. would find interesting. Maybe it's just not something that they've ever thought about. Oh, I could study a language because, you know, um, I might be doing interesting things later. I mean, it doesn't mean that they have to go abroad or work in Germany or France or Southern America, but it could be something that uh, um, interests them from a, you know, maybe from a, from a humanities point of view or from a, from a personal point of view. Maybe they want to learn something about um, code switching or they want to learn something about translation in a particular area or they're interested in children's literature. And so if we could bring these things together and then create a hub um, where people could go and say, oh, this is really, really good stuff. This is something I never thought about when I thought of German or, or yeah. speaking French. Um, um, ideally, then people will say, OK, this is interesting. But going back to the to the actual question, what does it look like? Um, this is more or less a vision that we have that, you know, these things might change and that people will do this. Um, I think it varies. I mean, this going back to your question, it varies. I mean, a lot of departments are very old fashioned. Yeah. Um, with, you know, grammar book approaches, this is the language, this is what we have to do, we have to get, um, you know, to a certain amount of credits, this will be done mm. by written work and grammar tests. And then you get other departments where you've got individuals mostly um, that sort of do things really differently, that invite video blogs, um, um, podcasts, creative responses to poetry, etc. And and it, it really depends on where you go, I think, and what you look at. Um, there's still a very sort of strong traditional um, set up in most departments, but I think um, a lot of my colleagues are doing things differently anyway within that setup. So it really depends on where you go, I think, in terms of what does a modern language okay. degree look like. Um, it, it varies quite considerably across the whole um, um, range of higher education institutions. Is this in something UK, that, as that you may know, that someone might have looked into? I mean, 
you know, comparing the more traditional approaches to a modern foreign language degree compared to those more innovative or creative uh, practices. And I just wondered, does it uh, impact on student uptake, for example, or student enjoyment, or maybe even student finishing the degree and, and um, yeah, and obtaining their, their degree? What do you think? That's a very interesting question. Um, I'm not aware of studies actually looking at that. Uh, that would be obviously a bit more than, than mm. we could we could chew. So we don't, we don't want to bite off more than we can actually do. Um, but this would be really interesting to look at. Does it make a difference in terms of, you know, what kind of fluency people can use at the end of their degrees? Or is it something that, that would naturally sort of increase student numbers depending on the kind of uh, modern language degree that yeah. you've got on offer? I would say from my own experience and what I've seen as external examiner at other institutions, um, things are pretty standardized in a sense that there's quality mm -hmm. benchmarks, obviously. Uh, but within that, there's quite a variety happening. And, and it, it mostly depends on the type of degree scheme that people go for. So you've got a lot of combinations, for example, that have to do with um, international management or uh, uh, international politics, for example. Um, or at ABBA here, we've got quite a lot of um, um, joint honours degrees. Um, so people combine it with very odd things. Sometimes you've got um, um, Spanish and biology, or or we used to have computer science with German and these kinds of things. But I think that's great. It is because it, it it offers a range of of, of things you can do with it, um, um, but at the same time, what I you know what I'm most interested in is how is it assessed and how is it taught and how do people actually look at um, um, getting students to respond to things as opposed to presenting them with a predefined kind of curriculum where you have to do this and you have to write this essay and you have to do this, um, and I think um, that would make the whole range of things on offer much more interesting to students especially when you go to schools and you talk about have you ever thought about picking up a modern language you know and you're there and you do your presentation people say yeah I don't know it's yeah. boring and I never thought about this and why would you do it because everyone speaks English and these kinds of things and then you say but have you considered maybe doing a video response to a Spanish novel of the Civil <laughs> War in a module such as this and all of a sudden people will say Oh no, I haven't. This is interesting. Yeah. And 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 so that's the idea that, that sounds we're really with. good. Because they the normal way at the moment well, the normal, the more formal way of assessment in, in a modern foreign language degree would be essay, would you say? Or it depends. I mean, usually all universities um, distinguish between um, the language part and the content module part. So you will have um, um, the language taught as part of a core module in, in almost all the institutions I know. And then on top of that, you will have content modules. This is normally how things go. And in the content modules, you would write essays and, and you know exams at the end where you have to reflect on a particular cultural or philosophical aspect or um, a certain epoch maybe. Um, whereas in the language kind of class, there's a bit more freedom sometimes, despite the fact that there's certain criteria that have to be fulfilled, obviously, most of of these in relation to the European reference framework for, for modern languages where you go from A1 to, to C2 level. Right? Um, but I think um, um, it is mostly the, the content modules that have traditional ways of assessing people like essay writing, etc. Now, the problem with this is that um, at some point, the questions will mm -hmm. be very similar. I mean, you prepare students at some point in first year and you say, this is what we're looking for. This is how to, um, to reply to a question with a with a well thought out, well constructed essay that has an argument and maybe a research question, you know, uh, if you go come up to, to third year, etc. and beyond. But it's very repetitive. 
so you will have an essay and someone says, oh, this is how I write an essay. And in third year, they will still sort of do similar things, just with different kinds of questions in relation to yeah. different kinds of topics. Um, and, and if you look at creative assessment as something that could change that, you could say, OK, um, for example, something I do in second year with a module that I, that I, that I teach, uh, which is called Language of Modern Drama. Um, I ask students to um, creatively present a scene um, and maybe write it themselves and then reflect on it. And it's up to them what kind of method they use, whether they want to reflect on it as a radio play or as a presentation. I've seen short films, um, I've seen um, graphic novels. And I think this is this is then an element that even in content modules you can use and uh, uh, maybe explore a little bit. And, and that's basically what we're suggesting. I think it's great, but I think you might want to, you might be able to expand beyond modern foreign languages as well. I mean, <laughs> So many degrees in higher education have essay as an assessment, and it does get pretty boring for students. You're right. I mean, it's important. It's a good skill to develop, obviously, you know, to to be able to present an argument and use references and back up your point of view and all that. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily have to happen in writing um, as as a formal essay, as as you suggest. So sure. I think maybe even in because I teach psychology here at the Montford, but that could be something to to think about as well. So on in one on one hand, you're trying to make this more um, appealing for students, uh, so that we can hopefully address this problem of the decline of uptake in languages in higher education. But on the other hand, it's mm. potentially the lecturers that we need to enthuse about this. Yeah, this is this is why I didn't want to go just for creative assessment um, as the project. The project is designed as artistic research and creative assessment because we want people to engage with this idea of artistic research in the first place. And um, I went to a conference a couple of months ago where I presented the project, um, um, you know, in its initial stages at that point. And um, we were talking about um, creative assessment in, in several, you know, areas and content modules, uh, maybe excursions and, and um, seminars and, and, and how would you then change lectures. But one of the persistent questions that always uh, came up then was um, so what 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 will I do if I'm not a creative person um, can I just change the way I teach overnight and I think what it all boils down to is no you don't have to change you know who you are or how you teach or what you do but you might want to explore a little bit and you might want to use a few creative means maybe in your own work and it could be you know it could be simple things such as you know in teaching say you use role play uh, but you do things differently because you ask people to to submit a creative response, and whether that is um, um, a, a, you know a fictitious character that people have, have to come up with, or a situation where they reflect on a poem, doesn't really matter. You can use this as part of a um, of a module that is very standardised, and then you say, okay, how can I assess this? And you look at criteria such as um, an informative, coherent mm -hmm. kind of presentation. Um, and you take criteria from from other areas that you would use use normally for the assessment anyway. So it's not like you have to create new things. It's it's more a kind of an invitation for people to reconsider the way they teach and do the research, and also how they assess students. I think this is great. I, I love it. Can you take us through one specific example so that if, if anybody's listening and thinking, well, maybe I'd like to use something more creative, but I can't really see how I could make it work. Um, there's a few. There's a, there's a few really interesting ones. I mean, if you look at um, um, at things such as, you know, cultural knowledge, etc. So we've had we've had someone actually submitting something that looked at Rudi Dutschke. Um, you know, you might know this uh, student revolts and in 68, etc. In Germany, you know, people were sort of, especially students, were protesting uh, because a lot of old fashioned Nazis were still in power 
you know, part of the government, etc. So there was a whole a whole um, 68 kind of cultural revolution happening in, in Germany. And <clears throat> one of the incidents at the beginning was that Rudi Dutschke was shot by police and, and apparently it was an accident, etc. There was a whole discussion. People were, were angry. People were started sort of protesting, etc. So one of the people that sort of submitted a questionnaire, because this is how we go about things, we send out questionnaires, we ask people to actually tell us a bit about themselves, about their research, about their teaching, and then we ask them to submit uh, an example of, of a particular type of creative assessment. And one of the things that they did was they asked people to respond by drawing something or by sort of writing a poem. Um, so that's a particular straightforward creative kind of assessment. And um, it was quite interesting because we saw some of the, the pictures that they submitted. And, and one, one of them was Rudi Dutschke and a lot of flames and political reference work uh, around the edges. And it was it was a drawing, but it also had a few words sort of um, on it. So it was more a kind of a drawing mm -hmm. plus collage. And what it did was it sort of presented this particular incident um, with the person behind the incident. So it looked at who Rudy Dutschke actually was, what kind of student he was, and 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 why he was actually sort of uh, protesting. So it gave us the broader kind of context of '68, yeah, and and this cultural revolution in Germany. And at the same time, it looked at the more violent response that that um, the '68 uh, generation was met with uh, by people who wanted to have things. Uh, done more traditionally and, and didn't want to touch the status quo, you know, this is generally the problem that you have between generations, right? But it was very interesting to see this this image and the collage that came out of it because there were so, so many elements. And you think <clears throat> normally um, students will just focus on one or two elements because this is what we want from them, right? We say, these are the learning outcomes. This is what we want you to look at. And this is what we then will write um, the essay on. Uh, but this had so many additional things, so many um, secondary uh, learning outcomes and ideas and, and, and images that you could just see that the student was mm. really engaged with the subject matter. You could see the student thought not just about, you know, that particular information. OK, in 68, someone was shot by the German police and this sparked, uh, you know, several riots and, and, and uh, the 68 cultural revolution. No, you could see that they were actually thinking about the person. They were thinking about the power dynamics behind the person. And they were thinking about um, um, what this actually meant for people involved and what it then meant for the wider culture and how it changed. And, and I think that's a real, real success, because in that particular instance, you could see that the student um, engaged with way more than just an essay question, way more than just a particular learning outcome, because they were engaged in a creative process. And I think this is what makes this so interesting and exciting, this project, because you can see how students respond. And I'm, and I'm always, I mean, I'm always really surprised and, 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 and blown away sometimes by the kind of student work that we see. And I think this is this is why we think this is inspiring to other people, because, you know, it, it creates um, a working environment and it, it creates a certain dynamic between us and our students uh, that makes our work more interesting as well. So instead of just saying, oh, this is more interesting for the students, I think there's something to be said about our work being more interesting because we can see this kind of creative work. We can see um, how students can respond to something creatively, something that we taught but uh, didn't actually um, predefine for them. So it's not, you know, take this mm. and, and this will come out. It's not yeah. like a slot machine. It's more a kind of a, we give you something and then we're interested in what you will do with it. And, and I think this kind of this kind of teaching, this kind of lecturing is also sort of a, a certain form of self-empowerment for the students. And not every student has to do it, but, you know, you see, you know, occasionally you see a few people engaging with the process and you're just blown away by, by that person.
and and that kind of creative process. So you always give them um, like a choice, I guess, because I mean, not everybody is talented in drawing, but they might have another talent. So yeah. Um, so so looking back to my own module, um, I don't want to be talking about my own module too much, but obviously I know it because I've done it for a couple of years now and I've seen amazing results. Um, but one of the things that really took me by surprise to start with, and this was years back when I first introduced this kind of creative assessment and said, OK, I want to do things differently. Um, one of the students, you know, he was he was a sort of a very quiet student and very reserved and, and, and there were a lot of sort of essays, et cetera, et cetera. He was he was going through the motions, you could say, as, as a lot of students are. And, you know, they get a get a good degree and, and they leave and they, they take up some, some job. Uh, but this student sort of really surprised me because he then had this creative assessment in this particular module. And uh, what it was, was a monologue, um, a theatrical monologue. And they can choose, and this is why I'm answering that question with an example, they can choose between a variety of things. So they can either, as I said, do a presentation, they can write a scene, they can perform something in, in the actual workshop situation. That is the end of the seminar towards the end. There's two weeks, they've got two workshops where they can present things. Um, or they can send in a video, they can do a radio podcast, they can do creative novels, etc. It's really up to them what kind of creative outlet they choose. And this is, I think, very important. You can't predefine the creative output you have to say okay I'll leave this up to you and um, you can make an informed decision and you can say oh I've never been really good at videos and stuff I'll, I'll, I'll draw something and it's absolutely fine to do that but this person had decided that they wanted to do a, a dramatic monologue and it blew me away it was so good I opened the assessment I looked at it and I thought this is absolutely first rate you know, there wasn't a single thing I would have changed. I read through it and, and it was done in German even, you know, so he must have proofread it and done some work on it, etc. And I just thought this is perfect. You know, you could put this on the stage right there and people would say, oh, my God. And it was one of these moments where I just really appreciated um, doing things differently, because if I hadn't changed the assessment and reintroduced it in that particular module and said, OK, let, let's do something um, that has a certain amount of risks attached to it, I would never have had that moment. And, and I think it changed the way I, I see assessment um, at university or generally assessment, because um, um, I want students to respond with that magic. I want students to see the opportunity um, to express themselves and, and by that create moments of self-empowerment, because this person left university and they, they might go off to do something completely different, but they know they can write dramatic dialogue without ever having studied theatre studies or anything else. And, and I think that's just marvellous. Yeah, it was an amazing opportunity for that student uh, to really shine, as you, as you said. Really good. I think I will finish by asking you, um, what do you want people to remember about this podcast on creative assessment? So if there's one thing you'd like people to remember. I think they shouldn't be afraid um, to change the way they assess or do their research, um, because there there is a lot of potential in in every single one um, um, of of the colleagues that I have, and in every single student. And despite the fact that you might not immediately see it, um, if you offer the opportunity, you will be blown away sometimes by the response that you get. And I think this is. I know that we have to navigate between, you know, quality benchmarks, registry, admin people, and, you know, it's difficult to, to maneuver between all of these kind of different kind of polls and, and, and setups. And, you know, modules have to be agreed upon, they have to be peer reviewed, etc. Um, but the experience I've made throughout the past couple of years, and colleagues will confirm this, if you come up with a creative element and you put it in there and there's a peer review, people would normally respond with, yes, do it. 
this is great, you know. No one will say, ah, I liked the old way. I really would love to have another <laughs> essay in that module. No, I, I get what you mean. So your message is to actually, to lecturers, uh, don't be afraid to include something creative. Ne never be afraid. Like we said, you know, it doesn't have to stop at lecturers level either, because this problem in the decline of, of language uptake starts lower down the line. You know, it could be something that people can do at A level or something they could do in at secondary Absolutely. school. I mean, there's so many yeah. different ways of, 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 of doing things and we don't necessarily have to limit ourselves to essays and multiple choice exams um, and, and coursework. And, and we've had a few people actually sort of um, submitting questionnaires and then on, on the actual submission, they stated, um, I'm a secondary school teacher. I've been doing these creative things. Um, I don't know whether it will be suitable for your project. And I said, yes, absolutely. So I got back to them and we had emails, you know, asking us about this. And I said, absolutely, please submit this because this is just a sort of a, a starting point. You know, ideally, we want this to be a platform where people get inspired. They go to the hub. They say, oh, this is interesting. I would like to do this. But it can influence, you know, politicians, curriculum designs. If you look to Wales, for example, last year, uh, we introduced a new curriculum um, that involves creative uh, um, elements in all stages of the secondary and primary education. So, so politicians and those who have the power to change these things on a, on a grander scale have woken up to the fact that this will create individuals that are more self-empowered, uh, that are more interested in learning, etc., etc. And it now forms part of the Welsh curriculum. Brilliant. Well, I can't wait to see the hub and be able to access it and browse through it. So thank you so much, Alex, for joining us today and telling us about creative assessments. Thank you. In the next podcast, we will be talking about using virtual reality in the classroom with Dr. Elizabeth Enkin. So that should be really interesting as well. And as we're finishing today's episode, I just want to remind you to take five minutes to go in our show notes and click on the link for our survey. The survey will help inform us about what you liked about this series and what you'd like to hear about next. It is also the research aspect of this podcast project. So thank you for listening and thank you to the British Academy for funding our podcast. I'm Dr. Marie-Josée Bisson and you've been listening to the Language Scientist Podcast. Mm -hmm.